Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. I want to ask you a question as you get there that you can answer yourself. When we have a good service and you walk away from this place and you say, man, that was a good service. That was a God moved. God touched me. Whatever it is, I want you to think about what makes a good service. What makes us leave this place and say we were in God's presence or God touched my life or something happened to me that I needed or God gave me something I needed or God spoke to me. Just think about in a service, there's so many stuff that, so many things that go on. We, we start off praising and worshiping and we've been talking recently about how our praise is a weapon. How many believe that tonight? And then you get to the place where we, we crescendo and we begin to shout and we begin to praise and we begin to lift our hands and we begin to clap and we begin to tell the Lord in our own words what He means to us and that's that exciting part of the service where we're learning how to praise Him, amen, and just tell Him from our hearts what He means to us and then we get to the place where we learn how to give and we learn what the Bible says about our finances and then the Word comes and, and then the altar call comes and, and then we pray and we go home. And the way that I want to tell you tonight that I know that we've had a good service is by something that is, sometimes it's not visible, but tonight I want to make it visible. There's been many times, and maybe not as many times as I would like, or maybe it's not something I always notice or always look at, but to me, when I leave a church service and I, and I walk this way or I get down on the steps or I'm praying at the altar and I see tears on the altar... And I've seen it many times. I see wet drops of tears. That to me is what made a good service. Because it's not about the songs we sang. It's not about the word that was preached. It's not about the offering or the prayer time. All that is great. But it's what happens at the end of the service and that lives are changed. And decisions are made. Amen? How many would agree with me that that's the case? So I want to talk tonight about precious tears precious tears and I want, to, I, want to, I want us to think tonight about how so many people as Brian said and every time people get up to do the, offer, or the prayer time it's always something we say and we're always understanding that in this place right now there's, there's needs, there's hurts there's battles going on all the time it would be impossible literally for us to come into a service it would be awesome but it would be impossible for us to come into a service with this many people and not have somebody struggling with something somebody going through something that needs a touch that needs a transformation and and sometimes on some nights everybody's going through something Maybe sometimes it's 10%, maybe sometimes it's 50%, sometimes it's 100 But the bottom line is, we come into the church, we come into the house of God, and we have burdens, we have things we're going through. You know, we've lost a lot of people recently in our church, and we haven't even, as a church, been able to, to really mourn for all of them. There's three of our very precious uh, people in our church that we have not even had a chance to have a memorial for yet because of the circumstances. And some of you don't know them, and many of you do. We have three precious elderly people who are in glory today, Ed and Sue and Joyce, that are a very, very big part of our church. And, and we haven't even had a chance to cry for them. 
We haven't had a chance to shed a tear and say, man, we miss them. And, and that's what a funeral does, is it gives you the opportunity to come and, and think about that person and think about their life. And then we just recently had the funeral of Michael's mom and how difficult that was. And then just this morning, uh, Pastor Mario and I were blessed and honored to be able to go and bury with Joshua and Yoshi, his sister, who went to be with the Lord. We were just there this morning, and, and I just began to think today about how the tears that happen at a funeral, the tears that happen at a, at a time of mourning and a time of missing a person, and, and, and what a beautiful funeral it was, what a beautiful gravesite ceremony it was. We didn't have uh, it in a church. We just went straight to the, funeral, to the uh, cemetery and had it right there, and, and, and I was just thinking how important it is as believers to be that person for somebody else and let them know that their pain is our pain. How many know that's really what church is supposed to be like? That when you come into a place, you say, I'm hurting, and someone's going to come along and say, you know what, I'm hurting with you. I feel your pain. And if you've ever talked to somebody and, and you were sharing your situation with somebody, maybe it was a very deep, very horrible thing or very tragic thing or very difficult thing, and that person you're talking to that does not know the person you're talking about begins to have tears well up in their eyes. Maybe you've been the person that's having the tears well up or you've been the person talking. I don't know about you, but it means something to me when I'm telling somebody about somebody and they begin to tear up. That means that God's compassion is on them and, and they're, they're, they're crying precious tears. Amen? And I want us to look at Psalms 30, verse 1. Because church, we got to realize, like I said this morning at the gravesite, we got to remember, this is not it. Can you say a better amen? amen? How many are thankful that this is not it? Amen. Paul said, if this is it, then we're to be the most pitied in the world. If it's just this life and there's no, no eternal life and, and, and we just die, he said, we're, we're to be the most pitied. But church, we have a hope today that as Brian mentioned at the prayer with such a great lead in, most people are standing and living in darkness today. And they, and they, don't, they don't understand what it is to see the light. And, and, I, and I just want to celebrate tonight, and, and if you haven't got to know them yet, Joshua and, and, and Yoshi get to know them. They're back in this back section, session, section over here, and they've been coming. I don't know exactly how long they've been coming to our church, but we were able to be able to be their family at this time when, when they were going through a very difficult time. And his sister was visiting. She's from New York, and she passed away here. She got sick here and went into the hospital here and didn't even get to go home. She's buried here in Texas. And, and I just was watching how they handled things and how they would send texts all the time and how they just kept believing with so much faith that their, his sister was going to be healed. And it was, it was faith that impresses me and faith that lifted me up and motivated me and they just didn't give up and they kept believing. And they kept, How many know that, that God, as they were weeping tears of pain and loss and as many others have as well, God is seeing those tears. Amen? And we're all going through different things, and it's just a blessing to see how uh, with her life, I didn't get to know her, but to read her eulogy and know that she in her entire life served God. 
never married, never had kids, just lived her life unto God, her whole life. And, and, and she's going to leave an impact behind. And the, 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 the beautiful picture was this morning that they weren't expecting or, or even thinking there would be more than a handful of people at the gravesite. But because of loving church people, there was a good turnout. That's, that's being there for somebody in their time of need. How many are following where I'm going with this? And, and then also, not, the, not only that, but our lives coming into the presence of God and saying, God, I need to, I need to shed some tears for the decisions I make sometimes. I need to shed some tears for the lack of my discipline sometimes or, or my arrogance sometimes or my pride sometimes. And we, that's what the altar's for is we can come down and we can humble ourselves in the presence of the Lord and shed some tears of pain sometimes that's, God, I'm not pleasing you the way I want to please you. I mean, no, we need to shed some tears like that. And, and I know what I'm talking about because that's how I got saved. When I got up from the altar, I was sharing this with Joshua and his best friend today after the, after the ceremony, after the, the funeral, and I told them when I got saved, I was, and you know, many of you know it, I was at that altar at about 9.30, and when I got up, it was 12.30. Three hours at that altar. And when I got up and looked down, it was wet. Because I, I, I shed a lot of tears. And, 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 I, and those tears that I shed 30 years ago this year, God saw them. How many know that God sees every tear that you shed? Now look what Psalms 30 says, verse 1. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up. And as I'm reading this, I want you to remember that most, just like Paul, most of his ministry was in prison. A lot of David's ministry was running for his life from Saul and he and having enemies around him on every side and going through horrible times and difficulties and he's able to this is why the psalms are so powerful and why worship's so powerful he wrote so many psalms and so many worship songs because he was learning how his his praise was a weapon he says I will extol you you've lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me Oh, Lord, my God, I cried out to you. There's the cry. I cried out to you. Church, we need to cry out to God, not to anybody else. Cry out to God. And he says, and you healed me. See, there's there's a healing in crying. When When I... talk to someone who's mourning over a loved one and they begin to cry I, I, I remember just recently when I, when I went to see Michael after he found out the day that his mom had passed away and I, and I hugged him and I hugged Tiffany they began to weep and I said cry cry let it out because this shows us that there's healing when you cry you gotta let it, you gotta let it go you gotta let that pain out you gotta cry and he says you healed me Oh, Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. And watch this. This is, this is one of my favorite verses. For his anger, and, and you might throw in there, that not, don't think just of him standing over you mad, but his his dealing with you and your life and your walk, the way he, a, a parent would, would, would scold or, or discipline a child in love is just for a moment. Amen? 
But his favor is for life. This is how we need to look at our God that we serve. Instead of looking at him as this, some God that just wants to strike us down and wants to punish us and wants to catch us in our sin and all these different things, we need to look at him for who he is, who's a God of favor. Amen. Favor. And it says, his favors for life. And here we go. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Anoint it tonight on this Wednesday night. Let people receive what you have for them tonight. Open up hearts and ears and minds to receive your word and bring forth fruit out of it. And devil, you are defeated in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. And everybody shouted, amen. Amen. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. There's something about being at night and being dark and getting bad news or having a bad situation And when that sun comes up that next day, something just hits you like it's a new day. There's a new opportunity. God can do something new today. Amen? This is a promise. But here's what I want to really show you tonight and what I really feel is in my spirit. People are looking for something real. Do you know anybody that's looking for something real? They're not just going to go, hey, uh, how are you doing today? I'm looking for something real. They're not going to call you up and tell you that. But how many know that people that you know that are in that dark space that Brian talked about, where there's no light, they're, they're lost today. How many know they're looking for something genuine? Something real. When we, when we see the revival that God wants us to see in this church, it will be people coming in and getting saved. And I believe many people have gotten saved this way, but it's not yet what God wants to do. He wants to do something greater. But people will come in and get saved, and they will say, I found something real here. It's not about, they, they won't leave and go, man, that song was so amazing, or that message was so good, or, or, or anything like that. They're going to say, I met people who loved Jesus and were real and genuine, and I felt the power and the presence of God, and it changed me and transformed me, and I left that building different. I don't even remember what song it was. I don't remember what the name of the message was, but I left changed. People are looking for something real. They're desperate. Let me believe this world is desperate right now. I should have pictured for a second the Titanic. Maybe you've seen the movie. Maybe you, you obviously know the story. I mean, you have to be under a, a rock and a cliff to not have heard of the Titanic. Way back in the early 1900s, biggest ship ever built. And I was looking before service that it, the cost of it today, in today's money, would be half a billion dollars. $500 million to build that ship in today's money. And how many know inside of that ship, as in all its grandeur and all its majesty as a ship there was beautiful paintings there was lots of expensive dishes there was lots of beautiful columns lots of fame uh, very very fine and expensive wooden doors chandeliers that were ridiculously expensive and just go on with thinking of all the expensive things that were in a ship like that to make it beautiful where people would pay crazy money to get on that ship and and as you're thinking about that now I want you to think of the shipwreck and I want you to picture thousands of people out in that water drowning desperate to stay alive 
And how many know that the people who were desperate to stay alive, and we know that some survived but many died, they were grabbing onto things, watch this, they were grabbing onto things that were very valuable in that ship, but in the water meant nothing more than save my life. The paintings became something to grab onto. The columns became something they could reach to and grab. All these things became something they could hold onto. They didn't care how expensive they were or beautiful were. And as a matter of fact, they became worthless. All they were looking for is something to save them. I mean, no, we don't need to be beautiful and perfect and sound right and look right we just need to be genuine and people need to find the real jesus in our lives and see that there's something that they can have that's going to change them amen how many know that the world is looking for that it's us being genuine there's a world that's desperate for something real they don't care what the building looks like they don't care what the children's program looks like they don't care what songs we sing They just want to grab onto something that saves them. Amen. And how many know that old rugged cross is what we get saved by? Nothing beautiful about it. Nothing precious about it. Nothing we would behold has uh, uh, splinters and it's ugly and it's covered in blood. But that's what saves us. Amen. Now what's the sign of a true revival? I want to see a revival. And you hear me say that... Maybe you don't know what I mean. I, it means I want to see a move of God where on a Wednesday night like this, although this is a great crowd and there's a lot of us here, I want to, and we've talked about it before and I'm never going to stop talking about it until the day I'm at my funeral or Jesus splits the skies. I'm not going to stop talking about it because I'm going to see it. Amen. Where we have so many people desperate for something real And we're so authentic in who we are preaching the gospel that there's no room to sit in here. That people are sitting on the stage. That people are sitting over in the fellowship hall. That people are sitting to to a seat if they have to. We're not worried about COVID. We want to see a move of God. Amen. We want to see lives changed, lives transformed. People come to the saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. And Joel, chapter 2, if you'll go there, shows us what true revival is. There's one word. And it's not in this verse, but it sums up what these verses we're going to read are. And I want you to write it down big if you're taking notes. I want you to write, this is the key to revival, and it is repentance. Repentance. That is for the person who just murdered somebody or the person who is nearly perfect. We all need to repent. No matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, we're lost without Jesus. We're we're marred, we're sinners. Remember that as much as we try to be right in God's eyes and, and want to live up to His holiness... The Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. So what do we need? We need to have a heart of repentance. A heart that is after God. Joel says this in chapter 2. It's a call to repentance. It says, now therefore says the Lord, here we go, turn to me, but with what? With all your heart. That's repentance. That means church. That means teenagers. That means 
uh, married couples, that means that when we do something wrong and God convicts us of it, we don't just say sorry, we turn around and go the other way. We don't do what a lot of us erroneously say because it sounds good. Man, God touched me and I did a 360. You don't want to do a 360 because that's just a Michael Jackson move. That doesn't get you anywhere. That takes you right back to where you were. And I've said it many times. People say it even in sermons. Man, God touched me and I tell you what, I did a 360. Now, 180. We don't go back to where you were again. You turn totally the opposite direction and you say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I just did and I'm not going to do it again. Ever. I'm sorry. That's true repentance. With fasting and weeping and here we go, what? Mourning. When was the last time we mourned for our sins? Or we mourned for the sins of our nation? We mourn for the sins of our family that we see going down the wrong path. How many of you tonight have, have been so miraculously rescued from the old life that you used to live and now you're seeing your family still living in it, still going down that same road and it hurts you because you want them to have what you have. You want them to find what you found, which is life, abundance, abundance and joy and peace. But he says, what we have to do is render our heart and not our garments. What does that mean? That means don't give me lip service, Jesus says. I don't want you to sing the right songs and do the right things. And when I say right things, I mean act the certain way. He, want, he wants your heart. He wants to be able to deal with you on the situations that you're dealing with. And listen, church, every one of us can get better at being more compassionate and being more loving and caring more about the lost people everywhere we go around us. And instead of just saying, man, they're so lost, let's do something about it. Let's tell them about Jesus. Let's give them a Jesus card. Let's give them a track. Let's pray for them. Let's tell them, Jesus changed my life. He can do the same thing for you. Let's do something about it, not just talk about it. God says, don't just tell me that they're lost. Show them how to get unlost. Just like someone showed you. It says, return to the Lord your God, verse 13. For why? He is gracious and merciful. Slow to anger. This is the second time we've seen this. This isn't the same verse we just read in Psalms. Slow to anger and of great kindness. This, 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 we say this too erroneously, but it's, it's in good intention. He, and there's even a great song. He's a good, good father. God is good. No, God is great. Because great is better than good. God is great. Amen? Slow to anger and a great kindness, and watch this, he relents from doing harm. God doesn't want to punish. God doesn't want to hurt. God doesn't want, he wants to do good things. He wants us to serve him. Who knows if he will, verse 14, turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. A grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Watch this, blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and nursing babies. 
Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber. That means let the church get out of the four walls. Can I get a better amen? This is not a social club. This is a place where we come in to get challenged and to get healed and to get equipped to go out of these four walls and be the gospel. Can I get a better amen? Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride come from her dressing room. Let the priests who minister to the Lord, those that are leaders in this church, those who are saying, God, I want to do more, we need to weep between the porch and the altar. I preached this several years ago, this verse, and I, what it means is we need to live for the Lord outside of the house and in between the house and the church. In the store, in the workplace, in the gym, at the restaurant, in the school, at the gas station, everywhere. We need to be living for the Lord. And we need to be passionate and understand that, that the things that are going on in this world is telling us that Jesus is coming at any moment and our time is short and we've got to get as many people saved as we can get saved. That's why we want to see a revival because in these last days there's an acceleration and we don't know how much time there is. And I cannot say this enough. You teenagers, you're young. You think I got the rest of my life in front of me. Tomorrow's not promised to any of us. No promise. No guarantee. God owes us nothing. We owe God everything. We've been bought with a price like we talked about on Sunday. And so we've got to do something for him. Weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, spare your people. Do not give your heritage to reproach let the, that the nation should rule over them. Why should say, they say among the peoples, where is their God? Church, we need to be praying for this nation. We need to be praying, again, not to beat a dead horse. Instead of just talking about how messed up our country is, why don't we pray for it? Instead of talking about how nobody wants God, and nobody wants, why don't we be the people that bring people to the Lord? Amen? Are you with me? Are you challenged? Precious tears. Joshua told me that they went to the funeral home or the funeral place after the funeral today to take care of something in Louisville and there was a guy at the cemetery who was the person who does everything drives the casket there and 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 takes care of all the stuff and then drives the car back and and he was watching and I we all noticed him and he was dressed like it's his job and they were talking to him and his name was George right and they said he said I'm a preacher's kid, but he's not young. He's probably in his 50s, 60s. He says, I'm a preacher's kid. And he said, this is what I do for a job. Can you imagine how many funerals he's been at? And he said, today at that service, God touched me. He said, I've never felt the presence of God like I felt at that cemetery today. How many funerals has he been at? A lot. And, and so... Even in somebody's mourning, somebody's pain, God is killing a lot of birds with one stone. Amen? He never wastes a hurt, right Brenda? He never allows somebody to go through a pain and a hurt and it not help somebody else. 
If you're going through pain tonight, if you're suffering, if you have loss, if you're going through some things, just know it's never loss. Amen. God will take this, the tragedy and he will turn it into triumph if you just keep a heart of repentance and you say, Lord, keep my heart soft and let me see the people the way you see them, Lord, so I can do something great for you. In the Old Testament, they would have the brazen altar of God in the temple and there would be four horns on that, on that brazen altar and it would represent that they, they would put their arms on their hands around those horns and it, re- it represented this. They depended on God. Remember a couple weeks ago? Total dependence on God. Amen. And listen, you know what you need to depend on and I need to depend on tonight? God's mercy. His mercy. Because if it wasn't for His mercy, we would all be dead. We'd already be in hell. We'd already be lost. Do you realize tonight Jesus didn't have to come? He didn't have to come down. God didn't have to send His Son. We could be here tonight in this earth with all the garbage going on in the world with no hope. No hope of salvation. No, go to a funeral like today and sit there at a gravesite and watch a, a body be gone and go into a hole and have no hope that that person would ever be seen again. That's where we would be if Jesus didn't come down. So don't take it for granted that Jesus came. He didn't have to come. He came because of His mercy. Amen. We need to take hold of the horns of the altar. There's things that begin to happen in a revival that I can see happening right now. It, it, what happens is people start to have an impulse and a desire to do things and they don't have to come and say, hey, can we do this? Because they, it's something we know we should do and we do it. Like outreaches on the square. Like prayer meetings. Just, just things that, that, like a breakaway service. Things that someone says, I just need to do something for the Lord. How can I reach somebody? How can I affect someone's life? And, and I've always told you, there's two things I will never, ever say no to. Ever. I don't care what it, what it entails. There's two things I'll never say no to. Outreach and prayer meetings. Never. Because that's what, that's what builds the church. That's what builds the kingdom of God. And so now... There's, there's a prayer meeting started on Tuesday nights here at 7 o'clock. That's what, that's what brings it. When people begin to say, let's, let's, let's gather together to pray. Let's seek the Lord's face. When, when on a Wednesday night like tonight, you go in the prayer room and it's full. That's when, that's when God moves in this place, when the prayer room's full. Other times it's not so full, and, but when it's full and everybody gets there, it's a beautiful thing. I don't want to leave. How many remember, I don't remember what month it was, December, November. What, does anybody remember when it was? When God showed up in our prayer meeting, in the prayer room? Somebody shouted out at me. We're not recording online, by the way. There's no live stream. December. She's like, I missed it. I know when it was. <laughs> November. If you weren't here, this is the picture. This is God saying, this is what I want to do. Let me give you a little glimpse. It was a Sunday morning before the first service at 9. 
And about 9 o'clock when I started coming out to come in the sanctuary, they said, Pastor, something's going on in the prayer room. And our praise team was, so after praying over there, they come over here and they pray together as a praise team before they come out, and none of the praise team was over there. And so it was 9 o'clock, then it was 9.05, then it was 9.10, and everybody was in the prayer room, and, and, and I had to come out and say, we can't start service yet because we don't have a praise team because they're on the floor weeping in the prayer room. That's revival. And then we started telling people, yeah, you ought to go in there. People were just sitting there. So go. Go get in there. Go get a feel for it. And so people started going and then coming back out. And, and, and an hour later, at 10, 10 or 10, 15, I got up and we had a short little message and we had an altar call. Church, that kind of stuff is what God wants to do. He wants to mess up our schedule. Amen? He wants to mess up our plans. And he wants to show up. But he shows up when people come with an attitude of repentance. He shows up when people come with an attitude of consecration and sanctification and an attitude of God, I don't want anything in this world but you. Amen? Nothing nothing else makes me happy but you. Nothing else fulfills me but you, God. Amen? Amen? Now listen to this. A man, this. I'm beginning to close. A man was saved, and I've told this story before, but it's such a powerful story. A man was saved many years ago at the Azusa Street Revival. That was a revival in the early 1900s in California. And there were miracles, listen closely, miracles and signs and wonders and amazing things happened. That means people were healed. That means demons were cast out. That means probably limbs grew out, open eyes were, eye, blind eyes were open. All kinds of miracles happened and they asked this man after the revival and they said what caused you in that revival what did you see or what happened for you to turn your heart to Jesus how did you know it was real I mean you know that's the question that people are asking is Jesus real is this God thing real listen to what he said he, he said all the miracles were amazing I mean you can, you can imagine listen to this but it was the tears at the altar that got me. He, he said there must have been a change in these people because he saw people, somebody clicking something over there? He, he said, he, said they saw, he saw something that was a change. Tears, listen, tears stop, revival stops. Write that down. Tears stop, revival stops. When tears are flowing, revival's flowing. It's a fact. And, and I'm, I'm give, I've already given you quite a few verses, but I want to finish with this. If you'll go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. The, sh- the shortest verse in the Bible is two words. And it has to do with exactly what I'm talking about tonight. Just take that off for just one second. It says, Jesus wept. Two verse, Two words. Jesus wept. It didn't say Jesus' eyes got a little bit teary-eyed. It said he wept. How many know that the word weep? To weep is not to cry. Weeping is when you begin to shake. Weeping is when it's uncontrollable. Weeping is when there is a pain or a joy or whatever it is that overcomes you that is unstoppable. And, and, and it's, it's from your innermost being. 
And the Bible says he wept. And let's, let's read these verses. Go ahead and put them up now. Verse 35, 31. When the Jews who were with her in the house comforting her, they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, and they said, she's going to the tomb. She's going to see to her brother's tomb to what? Weep there. And they, then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. This is the story of Lazarus. And therefore Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping. So how many know that when somebody begins to weep, you, if you have the, a heart, it begins to cause you to weep. And he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you... So he's seeing the pain of her. Church, he knows that he's going to heal Lazarus. He knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. You and I probably would have not even been emotional because you're going to be happy in a minute. Don't worry about crying. But he had a compassion that was so real that when he saw her weeping, he wept too. That's what God is looking for. And it said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. And watch this. This is the key tonight. The Jews said, see how he loved him? Do you want people to look at your life and say, man, what a complainer. Man, what a, whatever you want to throw in the blank. How about somebody looking at your life and saying, man, that person really loves Jesus. Amen? And some of them said, could not this man have opened the, who opened the eyes of the blind also kept this man from dying? And Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and, he, and a stone lay against it. That's, I'm not going to read the rest of the story. But what I'm trying to show you is, even though Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, his weeping overcame him. He had compassion for those people. The last verse I want to give you is a promise from the Bible. Psalms 56, 8. If you're, this, if, this is a really cool verse. Joshua and Yoshi, Michael and Tiffany, church, the, us that have lost people recently, although we haven't had a chance to mourn for them. Any kind of loss comes. Here's a powerful verse. He says, Paul, or David says, you number my wanderings. In other words, you know all the things that I go through. And he says, you have put my tears into your bottle. This is such a cool verse. Are they not in your book? Every tear you've ever cried is in a bottle. Every bit of pain. Some people say, well, where was God? Where was God when this happened? Where was God when that happened? Every tear you cry, God sees. Amen. And He, he knows them. He knows the tears. He knows the, he knows the cries. He knows the time you spent in the Lord. That's the cool thing about God. He, nothing gets past Him, including your tears, including your suffering including your pain, including the times when you thought, God, are you going to move? Now here's one last verse. It's such a powerful verse. Psalms 126. Look at this. Look at this promise from God. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Amen? Isn't that powerful? 
So all the pain that we go through, we understand that there's a time where there's not going to be any more pain. There's going to be a time when there's not going to be any more tears. The Bible says he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. And there'll be no more mourning. There'll be no more weeping. There'll be no more dying. There'll be no more pain. And he'll wipe those tears from our eyes. It says, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Amen? He who continually goes forth weeping, keeping a soft heart is what that means, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves, or another word for that is his blessings with him. Let me know God's got a lot of blessings and a lot of promises and a lot of power. Father, tonight will you see the precious tears. God, we thank you that we have the opportunity tonight to be the kingdom of God, the church of the living Christ, the body, Lord, that hurts when somebody else hurts and rejoices when somebody else rejoices. Father, the true sign of a move of God is repentance. And when we repent, we weep. And when we weep, there's tears. And Lord, when there's tears at the altar, it means you moved. It's not all about emotion, God. It's not all about emotion. Some people can cry on a drop of a hat. Some people can't cry. But Lord, it's about the heart. It's about genuine transformation, genuine repentance, genuine care and love for other people. Lord, I ask you tonight to give us your heart. Lord, that we would learn how to render or give you our heart and not our garments, not a facade, not fake, not say what you want us to say, but do what you want us to do, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Father, there's a lot of pain in this world. There's a lot of pain in this church. There's people that are going through things, even as recent as today, Lord, with this precious couple in our church who lost a sister, Lord. Lord, the loss that people have been going through recently. Lord, the pain, the suffering, the sickness, the fears, all the things that people go through. You don't ever miss a tear. You see it all. And Lord, you are able to take our tears and turn them into joy weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this place we're not live streaming tonight but we have the podcast and if you're listening on this podcast or you're in this place tonight and you have never accepted the salvation of the cross never put your faith in who Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the Messiah, the King, the ruler of this earth, the one who takes away the sins of the world. If you have not given Him your heart tonight and your life and surrendered to Him and believed on Him, you can right now. How many in this place, from front to back and side to side, are not saved, not born again tonight? You say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you right now. Would you just lift up your hand, put it right back down all across this place. This is very important, church. The reason we do this is because when somebody comes and visits, I want to give you an example. Stay listening to me. 
with your heads bowed and eyes closed, this is a perfect example. The precious woman of God that we laid to rest today, celebrating her graduation from this earth, that lived her life, her entire life for God, came to our church with Joshua and, and Yoshi and visited. And thank God she was saved. But how many people bring a visitor to church? And maybe when you bring them to church, the only time they've ever been in a church in their life was when you brought them. And then they pass away. And they don't give their life to Jesus. This is why we do a salvation prayer. This is why we give people a chance to be saved. Because people can come in and they might come to only one service in their life. And we want to make sure they can meet Jesus. We want to make sure that when we go to do their funeral someday, they're saved. And we can say, I know that person gave their life to Jesus Christ. I know that I saw Michael's mom raise her hand in this church and say, I want Jesus. How many people have we seen, seen do that and then, and then do their funeral and, and be able to be thankful? Like I said this morning, a preacher, preacher never wants to have to beat around the bush at a funeral. It's a beautiful thing to celebrate the life that's lived unto God. Don't make any doubts for your family tonight. Don't make any questions. Make a decision to say, I'm going all in for Jesus. I'm going to live my life in a life of repentance, in a life of weeping, in a life of prayer, in a life of consecration and separation unto God. And, and the tears that, I, that flow from my eyes during this life are going to turn into joy when I see somebody in heaven, when I see someone in this earth come forth and get saved. It, we're at the end, church, it's going to be rejoicing. The old song says, won't it be wonderful there, having no burdens to bear. So if you're here tonight, this may be it for you. I don't say that to scare you. I say it because it's a fact. Tonight might be your last service in this church. Tomorrow's not promised. Are you saved? If you're not, just lift your hand up and say, Pastor, pray with me tonight. I want to be saved. I want to make sure my name is in the Lamb's book of life. Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe you're running. Amen. You're running. Come run home. Run back to Jesus. Maybe you're listening on the podcast right now, and you need to say this prayer. We're going to say it with you right now as a church. I want to ask everyone to stand, and as you stand, I want you to say this with me. And we'll turn this podcast off over, over after we say this prayer because someone is listening in their car tonight. Someone's listening in their car six months from now and, and they're crying because they have thoughts of suicide or they're crying because they've lost a loved one or they're crying because their family's shattered or they're crying because they're on drugs or alcohol or they just have no hope. But right now Jesus and the Holy Spirit is going into their car and meeting them right now. And he says, listen, I died for your sins. Just put your faith in me and I'll make you a new creation. Say this with me, Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for dying for me on a cross while I was still a sinner. I don't deserve it, but you love me anyways. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth you are the Christ you are the son of the living God you are salvation you are the way and the truth 
and the life. Come into my life tonight. Forgive me for my sins. I repent of everything I've ever done. And I ask you to change me. Forgive me and start a new life in me. You are my master. You are my Lord from this day forward. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 We rejoice tonight. For Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.